Hello, everybody. We're glad you're with us. As we continue on in our study of the New Testament, verse by verse, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 8 today and uh, moving along together in that discussion. Before I read it to you, though, I, uh, I thought you'd like a little information. Uh, I, I, it's uh, New Year's Eve. And I thought there was an interesting tie-in that I just wanted to pick up again and give it to you in, in the right detail before we hop into it. Uh, a a tie-in between the Christmas story and the New Year that I think is pretty interesting. And it pops back to a verse in Matthew chapter 2, uh, which uh, records the early life of Jesus. And uh, there's an interesting scripture in Matthew 2.19 that says, After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. Now, here's what's sort of fascinating is that... Um, Herod's death is very well documented in, uh, historically in, in Jewish writings by Josephus and others. Uh, Josephus and others. And uh, his death is recorded at 4 B.C. So, so we know when Herod passed away. What makes that interesting is, is that um, Herod was alive when Jesus was born. Now... Start following what, what, what that means. Uh, it doesn't really change life too much, but it, I think it's interesting. Um, so the way that we got our calendar is that in the Middle Ages, this guy named Dionysius Ex Exugius um, computed the best that he could the date of Christ's birth. And uh, he named the year of the Nativity 1 A.D. And he named the year immediately before that 1 B.C. All right? There was no year zero, which is a, immediately a math nightmare, because there should have been. All right? So for, for any mathematicians, it's like, uh-uh, there's no zero. You're missing an entire, there should have been a zero year. Now, what complicates it further is he, he didn't take into effect or into account that we, we have recorded Herod's birth or death for B.C., after the birth of Christ. So we've got an error in there of somewhere between five and seven years. And uh, uh, which means this, that uh, you're not about to enter into uh, 2009. Really, you're, it's either a happy 2001, 2002, 2003, or 2004. So, happy new year. He's <laughs> got a problem, five to seven years. And, you know, part of that problem is, too, if you read Matthew 2, there, he has, there's a two-year gap there. Remember, he sends back and has all the children taken out that were two years old or younger. So you have to include that into the mix. That's how you get five to seven years. And you're counting for zero that doesn't exist. So um, I just thought that was pretty interesting. And uh, uh, it sort of throws a big wrench in all those people that have these theories about dates because none of them are right anyway. All right? So whenever you read them, you just go, well, you, you can't, we don't even know what year it is technically. Matthew chapter 8. Let's... Uh, Let's move from that fascinating point of information I just gave you, which I know made a big impression and will change life for you. And uh, let me read Matthew chapter 8 for you, beginning in verse 1. It's in your notes. You can read along your Bibles. I'm reading from the New King James Version today. When he had come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, a leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord... If you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, See that you tell no one, but go your way. Show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. 
Now when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. And when Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even Israel. And I say to you that many will come from east and west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go your way, and as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that same hour. Now when Jesus had come into Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother laying sick with a fever. So he touched her hand, and the fever left her. And she arose and served them. When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed. And he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick, that it might be filled which was spoken by the prophet Isaiah, saying, He himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. And when Jesus saw great multitudes about him, he gave a command to depart to the other side, And then a certain scribe came and said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Then another of his disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, Follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. Now when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea, so that the boat was covered with the waves. But he was asleep. And then his disciples came and woke him, saying, Lord, save us, we are perishing. But he said to them, Why are you fearful, while you have little faith? And then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. So the men marveled, saying, Who can this be, that even the winds and the sea obey him? And when he had come to the other side, to the country of Gergesenes, Gergesenes, they do it different in every translation, Gergesenes, there met him two demon-possessed men coming out of the tombs, exceedingly fierce, so that no one could pass that way. And suddenly they cried out, saying, What have we to do with you, Jesus, you Son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? Now a good way off from them was a herd of many swine feeding. So the demons begged him, saying, If you cast us out, permit us to go away into the herd of swine. And he said to them, Go. So when they had come out, they went into the herd of swine, and suddenly the whole herd of swine ran violently down the steep place into the sea and perished in the water. Then those who kept them fled, and they went away into the city and told everything, including what had happened to the demon-possessed men. And behold, the whole city came out to meet Jesus. And when they saw him, they begged him to depart from their region. Blessed be the word of the Lord. Matthew chapter 8. Interesting chapter. So what's happening here? Jesus had just finished... The Sermon on the Mount. So we've been talking about over the last weeks uh, in Matthew 5 through 7. Remember I said to you that he sat there and, and he was teaching uh, in a way that they had never heard before. Remember they marveled at his teaching. He teaches as one with authority. And he was telling them things they had never heard about what it meant to be in relationship with God. And, and he kept using the phrase, you have heard it said, but I say to you. And he was taking everything that they had thought a relationship with God meant, and he basically did this. He turned it completely upside down. 
And they're, they're, uh, imagine if you, you could even think about what it would have been like to be sitting there listening to Jesus teaching and changing everything that they'd ever known. And they were, they were just stunned. And they were like, no one has ever taught like this before. And ultimately what it does is it brings hope to people that are hopeless. Because they'd already figured out, most of them, they were never going to make it. They couldn't follow all the rules and regulations. They didn't think there was any way in. That, that there was... There was, they were done. They would never live up to the standards that had been set for them by the religious leaders of the day, and they were, they were done. And suddenly, in, in the teaching of Jesus, comes this new hope. And, and it it's immediately shows up in the people that begin to approach Jesus right after he's done talking. And so, in Matthew 8, um, what's, what happens is, uh, these people... See, Jesus has made himself known to them, and now they want to know him more. And so he comes down from the mountain, and it says this great multitude follows him. They want more. They, 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 they are, it's, it's this feeling, I'm, I'm sure, of tremendous hope in their lives. And what we begin to see then play out in chapter 8 is what Jesus does all the time is that he, he speaks, and then he does. Remember, we've talked about the message of the kingdom of God, that the message is, is not only words, it's works. It, it, he not only introduced that the kingdom was here by what he said. He then demonstrated, in fact, that the kingdom was here. And he's about to go now and demonstrate the very fact that the kingdom was indeed upon them by beginning his, his healing and uh, his deliverance ministry in, in full force right as he comes off the mountain. Uh, and and he's, he's basically saying from Matthew 4:17, this is earlier, Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He's, he's preached it. And now he's demonstrating the fact that the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, those terms are used interchangeably uh, in, in the Gospels. Uh, it's here. It's upon us. Now, it's not fully here. And we did an entire teaching on the kingdom of God uh, last year, this year, early. I don't know. It took six months. I know it took a long time. It's on the Internet uh, if you want to watch it. But, but the concept is that Jesus came and introduced the kingdom. When he comes back, he, he, the kingdom will come in all its fullness, and we live in this tension right now between the now and the not yet. And that in faith, we pray and ask for what God's going to do, what Jesus is going to do when he comes back anyway, when he comes and, and sets everything right. We're asking in faith for him to do it now, and we see breakthroughs of the kingdom all the time. There's breakthroughs. It's not fully here, but we, we look at Scripture that says, but we get a taste of the kingdom. And I've said to you that, that a, a taste is, is not the banquet, but it's still a taste, and it's not such a bad thing. And, and I always think about it like um, when, when I was a, a, a child, my parents entertained sometimes, and they would have company over for dinner. And they had company food, and we had our food. And it was different. Because our food, when they were making company food, was generally SpaghettiOs, right? Any, anybody else experienced that? And the company food looked and smelled really good. I have this joke about, my kids know it, about company potatoes. And my mom made these potatoes for company that we never got otherwise. And they were delicious. And, and so I would hang out just hoping for a taste of one of these company potatoes. So I make them all the time now. And I let my kids have them. I always have. <laughs> They're a big favorite. Anyway, that's another story. Um, see how easily I get sidetracked? Because I could do 20 minutes on company potatoes right now. Um, and then I lose my place. Anyway, 
the, the taste wasn't like sitting down and having the whole deal, but it was a taste. It was a very real taste, and it was, a, it was good. So in my, as you know, that's my equating to that. We, we have this banquet coming, but now we get a taste. And, and a taste is, is good, but it's not the banquet. So uh, that allows for a lot of uh, movement in your faith life and, and, and allows you to balance the sovereignty of God in the process with things that are happening. So Jesus comes. And he teaches all about the kingdom. And then he's going he's to begin by his very ministry to demonstrate that the kingdom is indeed at hand. And I love this idea that the very first person that is recorded that comes to him after he's walking down from the mountain is a leper. Now, I, I don't know if you think about this, but I want you to think about it. A leper would have been an outcast. The religious community would have not accepted him. He would have been considered unclean. He would have had to stay at a distance. He couldn't come. And yet, who can he go to? He goes to Jesus. Why? Hope. Suddenly, Jesus has turned everything around. Suddenly, Jesus has made a way. See, that's what happens for all of us. We're, we're without hope. We can't make it in, in the religious framework. It doesn't work. There's no way in. We're never going to be good enough. Inherently, deep down, we get it. We know it. But Jesus has made a way. And he's come and he's made a way. And the leper gets it. And, and it goes on in, in verses 2 through 4. Um, it says, And behold, a leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And then Jesus put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. Uh, I, I just have this picture I, I don't, of, of how amazing it must have been that, that this leper just came to Jesus. It was the first time he probably could even thought about approaching someone. He'd been an outcast with his disease. And he comes to Jesus and he, and he worships, it says. And he says, you know, I know that you can make me clean. And he says, you're right. Be cleansed. But I, I just get such a, a kick out of the turnaround that, that, that I hope you see it, what, what Jesus did and how he made it possible for outcasts to come into the presence of the living God. See, because we were all outcasts. We had our own form of leprosy and sin. And yet the hope that he brings allows us to approach and worship. Say, God, you, you can do it. You can heal me. And, and the healing is not only, you know, that, that instant, it's, it's forever. It's fascinating to me. And a wonderful picture, I think, of, of just hope and, and redemption in the process. Then in verses 5 through 13, Jesus has this encounter with a centurion. A centurion would have been a Roman uh, officer over uh, 100 troops. And uh, he, he would have understood, and he does understand, the idea of authority. And... Uh, he comes to Jesus. Now, again, here's another big deal. He, he, would have, uh, he, would have, he was a Roman. He, he would have been, at some level, he obviously believed in God, but he would have been considered by the religious people there uh, of God, uh, you know, the, the Jewish people of the day, as a heathen. And he comes and approaches. It's a huge stuff. This is a hope opened up. And he comes and approaches Jesus. And he says, my servant's sick. Would you, would you heal my servant, Jesus, come on, let's go. And he says, you know what? You don't even have to go. All you've got to do is say the word because I understand how authority works. And if I tell one of these guys to go, they go. And if I tell them to come, they come. And, and he got the picture. And Jesus was so amazed at the level of faith that it's recorded as, as he even says, I have never seen. Let me, I want to read you the exact verse because you've got to remember who's saying this. Uh, the creator of the universe says this. Right here. 
verse 10. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. Now, do you, do you get that that's a pretty big deal? This is Jesus. I mean, it's the author of it all. He's like, wow. He gets it. The one who's teaching with authority. People are it's starting to sink in a little bit. Jesus taught differently, and all of a sudden there was hope. And, and out of the hope springs faith. And things begin to change uh, dramatically. And he says, okay. And the servant is healed at that very hour. Again, a demonstration that the kingdom is here. In verses 14 through 17, uh, Jesus heals Peter's mother-in-law. And ultimately, basically, everybody in the town that was sick or demon-possessed. I get a kick out of it, though. Um, he goes in and, and Peter's... You know, and by the way, if you missed that part, Peter's married, right? The, um, Peter has a wife. I think that's a pretty interesting fact. Um, so Peter has a wife, and uh, his mother-in-law, Peter's mother-in-law, is sick when Jesus goes into the house. But what I think is funny is he, he heals her, and, and she gets up and starts serving. <laughs> it doesn't seem quite white, does it? It's like, man, I feel really good. Oh, okay. <laughs> and back to where she goes. But a servant attitude is a good one. We talk about it all the time. And then uh, the verses go on. And uh, uh, these people, these great multitudes are coming to him. Again, what's happened? Hope. Wow. Uh, and I don't even know how to begin to express this hope that just come upon them. Because suddenly there's a way. And, and, and he's there. And they come. And, and uh, there's hope and there's faith. And so he heals all those basically in town that were sick or demon-possessed. And the scripture says it's in fulfillment of a uh, prophecy in Isaiah chapter 53. And so I, I wanted to read the whole thing to you, uh, at least the first seven verses of Isaiah 53. I, I think it's, a, it's a, a wonderful passage of scripture. And it says this, Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow before him as a tender plant. And as a root out of dry ground, he has no form or comeliness. And when we see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. They're talking about Jesus. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. Um, the, the, the part of that verse that's uh, mentioned in, in our text has to do with being healed by his stripes, and that uh, he has made possible healing. And again, at the cross and at his entrance into uh, our world, uh, he has made it possible for the breakthrough of the kingdom to take place, which includes the whole idea of healing. But I was, I was thinking today about um, a, a lamb. You know, because it says that he, 
Remember the streams of prophecy that Jesus, his first time, comes as a lamb. And the reason that everybody struggles uh, with his coming is they were sort of looking for the lion, right? And, and yet the lamb has to come. And when you think about a lamb, you know, lamb are, uh, uh, they're kind of, uh, they're cute. They're little stuffed animals, lambs, right? I mean, when you think about a lamb, you think about a cute thing. And yet, uh, it was as a lamb that Jesus comes and has victory. And uh, so often, even on our Christian walk, we, we're looking for a lion when we ought to be looking for a lamb. And, and there's just something about some of the things that we do. And we, we miss the fact of how much stuff is accomplished. Uh, things happen all the time in the kingdom that, that don't look like they're going to work out. And yet, it's because we, we're looking for the lion and we ought to be looking for the lamb. Anyway, there, there's something to it. And he comes and, and in his sacrificial death, uh, he, he makes it possible for the kingdom to break through now and it's being demonstrated for us in these verses. And then in verses 18 through 22, um, Jesus has a discussion first off with a scribe. Um, and, and a scribe would have been one of those religious leaders of the day that we were talking about. The Pharisees and the scribes are always lumped together. And he's saying, listen, I want to follow you. Now, on the surface, a scribe would look like a much better catch than the, the sort of group that he has picked out for himself. Kind of a rough bunch that he's got, right? You know, that when he went and picked guys, he picked some pretty rough guys. And here comes a scribe who would have been much more palatable to the culture. And he says, hey, I want to follow you. And, and basically, Jesus says, "Is you don't really have what it takes. You're not willing to commit all the way. And with Jesus, it's either you're all in or you're not in. And he sort of points up the fact and makes it known in the process. And in our lives, too, that, that's still holds true. We're either all in or we're really not in. Um, and then in verses 23 to 27, we see another demonstration of the kingdom as he calms the storm. And it's a demonstration of his power over nature, which is, pretty, again, pretty amazing. And all the guys were, they couldn't believe it. And, and it's, it's funny, they were all upset because he was asleep. And uh, they're going through this thing. And see, they hadn't figured out yet that, that they were safe as long as they were with Jesus. Um, and I'm not holding that against them because we don't always have that figured out. It's a picture, right? Because in all our lives there's storms and, and we get really upset sometimes. And we can get all messed up. But, you know, the deal is as long as Jesus is with us, it's going to be okay. It may not go the way we want it to. It may not turn out the way we'd hoped. But it's going to be okay because he's with us in the midst of every storm. And, and our lives filled with storms, though they might be, as long as Jesus is there, it's okay. We're going to be okay in the process. And it's a picture of, of that with them, that we can always trust Him. And then those last verses, He has this encounter um, with uh, uh, demons in, in, uh, in those last few verses. And um, they end up going into a, a herd of swine, pigs, and then the pigs jump off the cliff. The whole story is kind of weird to me. Uh, because you think about it, and you and the people in the town are upset because they just had their entire pig crop wiped out, and uh, they say to Jesus, you know, what else are you going to mess up? Basically, why don't you get out of here? Because they didn't care that much about the demon guys, the demon possessed guys, anyway. You know what I'm saying? And so, I mean, think about what they just did. I mean, they just asked Jesus to leave, 
And again, we, we get shocked sometimes. But you know, here's the deal. Here's why I equate that. Sometimes, by our choices, we're choosing swine over Jesus. And, you know, it's just one of those things that, that uh, we have to be looking at in the process. And, and so he has come and he begins to make himself known. And uh, in Matthew chapter 8, we see the beginning of this ministry. And so he's not only now talking uh, with his words, he's demonstrating with his works. And the two together, the words and the works, comprise the message that the kingdom of God is here. It's not fully here, but it's here. And it's still here. And it's moving in us. And we see breakthroughs all the time. And, and our faith is in Him and our trust is in Him. And hope comes in Him. He's made a way. And, and we're, not, we're not stuck. We're not trapped. We're not hopeless. Jesus has come. He's here. And, and he, He's with us in the midst of every situation, every storm, everything that happens. We can look to Him. And He is all-powerful. And we can trust Him to be faithful in every situation. And so we'll, we'll end it there today. Like I said, I wanted to get a nice early uh, close for you guys that wanted to go. And so that's Matthew 8. If you would like to be prepared for next week, you know what you can do? You can read Matthew chapter 9. All right? All right, pass me up your prayer request. I want to pray for you. And uh, if you're watching on the video somewhere, uh, we're glad you watched. If you're up in Williston, they'll pray for you up there. Scott and Pam pray for you. And if you're on the Internet, uh, just email us or call us, uh, and we'd be happy to pray for you. Thank you. And like I said, anybody...